The plane braked to an easy turn on a rain-puddled taxiway and rolled toward the security zone while the stewards reunited passengers and coats. They reached a sedate stop, and there followed the immediate familiar growl of the ladder truck. All four of Bren's seatmates, putting on their coats, simultaneously developed the same angle of furtive small stares toward the windows, dignified not wishing to be seen staring as the ladder truck moved up. But at the approach of the first ATV personnel, the first ATV they would ever have seen in the flesh, they stared. Ben and Kate had spent years studying and translating the language, but they had never seen the species who owned the planet they lived on. Ginny and Tom had no association whatever with ATV, but trade and scientific exchange. Bren himself fully expected the ladder-shaking rush of giants up the aluminum steps to meet the opening hatch. He didn't stare, rather composed himself to court standards, as the two ATV he hoped would have come to meet him arrived in the hatchway. Manichi and Jago. Senior pair of the four who guarded him, black-skinned, black-haired, golden-eyed, in the black leather and silver of the Assassin's Guild, against whose size they all looked like children. His bodyguard, appointed by Tabini Aji, his dearest friends, humanly speaking, and not friends. He was their duty, their association, as Atevi felt things. Human friends, even family, might desert you for very valid emotional reasons, even leave you for hire, and when he was on Mosfera the human ways crept into his bloodstream and gave nesting room for doubts. But this pair, not being insane, wouldn't leave him except when duty took him overseas where the law wouldn't let them go, and the moment they could rejoin him, sure as sunset, here they were. They found themselves facing strangers, probably no surprise to them, but their polite impassivity gave no clue even to him. In front of dignitaries from Mosfera they stood, armed, solemn, very, very tall. Banichi and Jago, he introduced his bodyguard, then, in Ragi, revised the island names to a form the language could accommodate. Ben Feldman, Kate Shugart, Tom Lund, Ginny Kroger. One believes Tabini Aji has granted their request to go up on the shuttle. Honored, Banichi replied in Mosfei, in a voice that would rattle China. He even gave a nod of the head, signal honor to the Pides guests if they knew enough to recognize the fact. Honored, Ben said. It was his very first chance to speak a word of Ragi to an Ateva face to face, and the Atevi in question disappointingly spoke Mosfei to him first. But it was still a life-defining moment for the two linguists. Bren heard the quaver, saw two pairs of eyes wide as saucers, unabashedly staring at what they devoted their lives to understand. Tom and Ginny remained more reserved, staying more to the rear. He knew that reaction, too. One felt smaller than usual, even the scents Atevi brought with them were mildly different. All of a sudden, and for the first time, Mosferans found themselves not in the majority, not giving the orders, not the masters of civilization. It was another life-defining moment, less pleasant than Ben and Kate's. The escort is waiting, sirs, Benici said, and Bren translated. Observe caution on the steps. Nadi Bren, Jason, 
has gone to the lounge. Has he? He didn't let it show on his face or in his manner, and he didn't translate that part. He reined his reaction back hard, though he felt it as a blow to the gut. He'd raced all this distance, left his family early. He'd had to be the one to take the new ship Pidey to the island when he was ready to go, no question, but damn it, someone could have waited. He'd rushed to get back to have time with Jason, and to no avail, it seemed. Things suddenly didn't seem that right on the mainland, despite Benici's and Jago's presence. Not with this mission, not with Jace's.